Kia ora everyone and welcome to the KVH Snapshot podcast for November. The year's really flowing by, we're almost done and dusted. Um, but I've got for one of our final podcasts for the year here with me today, John Mather. He's our Operations and Compliance Officer at KVH. Hi John. Hi Lisa. Um, I thought that it would be really interesting if we had a chat about wild kiwi fruit, which is something that John manages um, here at KVH and I guess kind of on behalf of the kiwi fruit industry. And it would be really good to talk about why wild kiwi fruit is an issue and exactly what you're meant to do um, if there's anything that any of our listeners might notice when they're out and about, especially over summer. Um, so can you maybe help us talk through exactly what we're talking about when we mention wild kiwi fruit and I guess maybe the, the scale of some of the sites? Sure. So wild kiwi fruit or naturalised kiwi fruit vines, really that it's an unintended consequence of growing kiwi fruit as a crop. So what happens is that you get Typically, you get a few fruit left unpicked, typically like above the leader, um, and they've just escaped um, the view of the pickers. And what happens is those just those few fruit ripen up over the winter months, and then the little white eyes or wax eyes, those lovely chirpy little happy birds, mm-hmm. they come along in a lovely little flock. Um, and they they get into the, the ripe kiwi fruit and have a good feed. They of course consume some of the seed, and then they happily flutter into the adjacent uh, gully or pine block, and they poop out uh, some of the seed. Mm-hmm. So that's deposited with a nice little fertilizer package, and then sometime later, like usually months or within a year or two. That seed will germinate when the conditions are right, and a little kiwi fruit seedling will come up. So that's that's kind of what happens. There's a, a bit of a steady recruitment, unfortunately, of wild vines into gullies or pine blocks, and caused by bird-borne seed spread. Okay, so that so some of these larger sites, this kind of stuff would be happening over the longer term. So it, it could be over years that these sites are developing. Yeah, well, we've noticed wild kiwi fruit, um, kiwi fruit vines coming up in places where they obviously weren't planted. Uh, I've been around a long time, and so we noticed this back in the mid nineties. Um, oh wow! Okay. So typically, you'd see a wild vine in a pine block, um, and hey, how did it get there? Well, of course, it was seed deposited by a bird. So then we started having, you know, really good surveys um, up and down, especially the gullies, say in Tipuki, mm-hmm. and whoa, it was pretty surprising what we found. About every twenty to fifty meters, there was another mound or another wild vine growing up a host tree. So already by the mid-90s, kiwi fruit had been naturalising for quite some time. Um, And some of the the vines had a basal diameter of um, 20, 25 centimetres. So they'd they'd been there for already for 20 or 25 years, uh, the worst ones. But there weren't too many that big. But there 
were definitely some. So what aspect of um, the, the vines is the biosecurity risk? Uh, there's a biosecurity risk in that um, these wild vines could host um, risk organisms, you know, pests that could establish in the wild vines and then move into commercial orchards. So that's, that's one of the um, negative aspects of wild vines. But the other, the other one, quite a biggie really, is um, it damages the biodiversity value mm -hmm. of any regenerating native bush. Of course, yeah. And so in a lot of places we've, we've got bush regenerating really nicely, but then there's wild vines in amongst them, and amongst that bush, and, and they're doing their best to establish and dominate. And so they'll completely smother the bush if they're left uncontrolled. Um, the other thing is that um, there's quite a lot of kiwi fruit that'll come up in pine blocks, typically pine blocks, that are adjacent to an orchard. So kiwi fruit seems to really like an association with pine forests. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if the vines are uncontrolled, they can, they can climb their way up a pine tree and even cut into the clear wood of the pine, and, uh, of the log. And so they'll reduce the value, actually, of that pine forest left uncontrolled. So when we talk about the wild vines, is, um, and I know you've been doing, or there has been some surveying happening recently and some mapping, what is uh, the size or the scale of some of these sites? Because it sounds like they could be really big. Yeah, well, there's, you know, there's wild vines um, close to most orchards in, in the Bay of Plenty, unfortunately, now, or there has been. Um, so an aerial survey that we did a couple of years ago, um, we flew one side of Tipuki to the other, sort of five kilometres or four kilometres at one side and about ten kilometres out the other side, and, and we mapped 160 wild infestations um, in the half a dozen gullies that we flew up and down in a helicopter. Mm -hmm. So they were really easily visible from the air, um, so they were, from the helicopter we GPS them and then we map, uh, put that onto aerial photographs and we've got an, a wonderful, really effective uh, control program in place and so those maps are given to the control contractors um, and the vines are destroyed. And um, the control program has been in place for quite some time, hasn't it John? Yes, we. We started about 20 years ago. At first we just had trials to find out which was the most effective method and herbicide to kill wild vines. Um, and then for about the last probably 17 or 18 years there's been contractors controlling wild kiwi fruit for about probably eight or nine months of every year, especially mm -hmm. over the summer months. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's, it's been a really good effective control program. Um, but as I said earlier, there is a bit of a steady recruitment of seed just from those few fruit left unpicked. And so we've made great progress, but there is a bit of a steady recruitment in many areas uh, from that birdborne seed dispersal. Okay, um, what should our listeners do if we're out, especially over the summer, and we see something that we're worried about? 
Well, um, if, you're, if you're out and about, and wild kiwi fruit will come up in especially any area of New Zealand where kiwi fruit is grown commercially. Mm -hmm. So not just the Bay of Plenty, it can be the Waikato, uh, Northland, uh, Gisborne especially, um, Gold, Golden the, Bay, yeah, yep. South, yeah. Tasman, Golden Bay. So if, if you see wild kiwi fruit vines, look, make a note of where they are. It'd be fantastic if people could GPS where they are, <laughs> but you don't always have a GPS no, with you. No, not always. And, and so people can usually describe quite accurately where they've seen wild kiwi fruit. Mm -hmm. And um, what they can do is, the best thing to do, I'd say, is report it to the local regional council, mm -hmm. because we have uh, great agreements in place with regional councils. We work collaboratively on this, um, and they will record where the infestation is, and together we'll decide on um, the best way to control it. We've got contractors that'll go out and do it, and usually it's a cost-shared program, so it's very effective. So this is a really well-established program. It's been in place for quite some time, and I guess it's a really good example as well of industry and regional councils working closely together. Yeah, it's, it is. It's one of the most... It's really one of the most successful partnerships between industry and, in this case, local government. Um, so, yep, for about 17 or 18 years now, wow. we've, we've been beavering away and controlling wild kiwi fruit. And has it been successful? Definitely. If we hadn't have started uh, when we did, mm -hmm. we would probably have gullies in some parts of Tipoki draped side to side with kiwi fruit. Wow. So we've avoided that. Um, we're right down to individual vines. The contractors are really good. They do a great job. They skip along property to property. It's all mapped. We record what we do. Um, it's also one of the, the best uh, recorded, if you like, weed control programs in the country because we count the number of vines that we control on each property. Um, and that information has been really handy not only the number of vines but the basal diameter of the vine yeah. and so what we've proven is that whereas when we started they were as i as i mentioned like up to 25 centimeters basal diameter they're right down to say one two or maybe three centimeters basal diameter now what a difference a big difference yeah. but it's proven that unfortunately there has been this bit of a steady recruitment but the industry is funding the majority, the, the great majority of control costs mm -hmm. wherever wild kiwi fruit occurs. So the industry is doing a great job. We're being proactive. We're, we are on top of this, this problem. It's, it's unfortunately a bit steady on, but we're on top yeah. of it and yeah. we're doing well. So Absolutely. If, if people could report it, and those reports would make all the difference as well. Yeah, they, they will really help. So we need to know where it is. We've got a reasonable idea, but hey, if you see it, um, phone up. If you see a wild vine somewhere unusual, like you're tramping um, uh, in the bush this summer, and you, and you see a wild kiwi fruit vine, man, let us know where it is. Perfect, absolutely. Um, 
just thank you John um, really interesting and if anyone wants any more information about that or particularly to look at any images I know that we've got quite a few on our website and we've also got up on our website an article and images that we put in the Kiwi Fruit Journal not too long ago as well so that could be worth looking at if you want to um, see some of what John's been talking about thanks so much for coming and joining us very interesting and um, I guess before we go just very quickly we want to let everyone know that we talked in the last bulletin about some latest information about brown marmorated stink bug and fruit flies so that's all up on our website as well it um, includes data from the Ministry for Primary Industries and also information about what KBH and other industry groups are doing um, to make sure that we manage the risk and manage what's happening offshore as well so that we can keep these nasties well away from our borders. Um, other than that, we will be in touch with the December podcast and please remember to give us a call if you have any questions 0800 665 825 or have a look on our website which is kvh.org.nz. Thank you.